Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai studio. Presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is The Score. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. And Odyssey Station. The Score! Let's get back to more Mark Crody on Score Overnight. On Sports Radio 670 The Score. What is going on? Hope your overnight has been great. Mine has been pretty good, I would say. It's been a minute since I've been able to host just because I've been busy with some of my other responsibilities from the the radio station. So you never know how when you've had days off from the overnight and you're doing more conventional hours, you never know how your body is going to respond. Am I going to be falling asleep by the time it's 3 o'clock? How am I going to feel? And I've actually been pretty much, it's been pretty static. Like it hasn't been too bouncy or volatile as of yet. So that's good. I guess we'll find out how I feel after the nap that I will take after the score overnight show that I am now performing. And I get to be here with you guys on the score up until 5 a.m. And that is when my friends Mike Mulligan and David Haw come in. You know them as the Mully and Haw show. They will be on from 5 a.m. until 9 a.m. They will have much to discuss and banter about in the 5 at 5 at 520 the pick six will come your way at 620. At 722, feels like a good day to have Bruce Levine on to talk about the Cubs and the White Sox. Coom Dog will be on at 8 o'clock this morning. Perfect. I was just playing some of that Ron Coomer analysis or critiquing of the horrible way the umpires have seemingly made a lot of bad calls when Seiya Suzuki is at the plate. And Ron Coomer had some just terrific analysis. And so did Pat. They were pretty pointed uh, about what what is going on with one of the Cubs' most important players at the plate. And it does look like he might be getting cheated. And I think that that seems like a problem that should be taken care of swiftly. And I don't think it would be that difficult to take care of it. Umpires, attention, attention, please. Please watch this seven-minute video of Seiya Suzuki and see where you were wrong. <laughs> Seriously, man, it's so frustrating. And, like, I don't know, like, I, I'm sure you've seen some of the things, too, with Seiya, but, like, guy's, like, the most polite baseball player I've ever seen. Like, he doesn't go in front of the umpire. He goes behind him. He was dusting the plate off for him a couple days ago. It's yep. like, yep. you know, God, it, give the guy a break here, man. He's just trying to figure out how to hit these balls, all right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and you're right. I mean, number one, 
he is a a rookie like you know so he's going to be he's going to have that shut your mouth sort of mentality that most rookies in baseball in particular have um you know i've seen it you know with doing pre and post with the cubs that when players would come to the cubs it wasn't bad for them but they they knew their place in the pecking order they knew that when they got to the hotel they were not going to be the first group of players that that goes on to onto the elevator. You're going to wait until every wave has gone, and then the rookies could go, and then the pre and post game hosts could go. <laughs> so that was kind of the, the pecking order. Wait a minute, hold on a second. Pat, Ron, uh, maybe there's an engineer, then me, then me. That's the very last. Oh, and but I'm what not if even you kidding. Uh, what if you had Albert Amor with you? Does that raise you up? Do you go oh, higher? Hey, then? man, what's going on, Grody? Hey, man, you know how to get out of this place, man? I don't know how to get out of here, man. Uh, yeah, if I had Albert Almora with me, we'd have trouble because he and I just could not. Uh, a little bit of context, he and I got lost in Dodger Stadium together once. That's it. I'm not going to go through the whole story again. But, um, yeah. but, but anyway, you love that. You love that Almora, don't you? I love your Albert Almora. It makes me laugh. It's like... <laughs> It's like not even it, it like it's it doesn't necessarily sound like him, but it's just like the cadence and like how he like yeah, says hi to right. me. It, it's him. He's like, hey man, yeah, what's going on? Hey Mark, I don't know where we are, man. Yeah, it's just he's kind of got a little sing songy, and he's got a he's got a little surprise eye. Like everything, he's a little surprised, man. Yeah, I don't know, like I. Uh, what's going on at the plate there, Albert Elmore? Oh, man, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, I think I'm seeing it okay, but, oh, man, I don't know. Like, everything. Like, you, like here's a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Oh, man, I don't know. That looks crunchy, man. I don't know. So that's that's the Albert Elmore Jr. way. And I love Albert Elmore. I hope that's that's coming through the radio. Uh, but anyway, I, uh, wow, I got myself down a wormhole here. We did, I, I didn't help you with that either, too. No, that's okay. That's all right. You just encouraged my ridiculousness. Uh, but we're allowed to do that on score overnight. Robert, certainly mine just go in cultural ways. Lesses would just go to the 1974 Chicago Cubs. That that's the only difference. And, it, and, and I could go, I can go bury foot with you if you'd like, but the, I do remember now what we were talking about. And that was that you have a player who is a, a rookie and say a Suzuki who automatically, as a rookie, he is not going to be mouthy. And then secondly, I think that there that it is emphasized, politeness is emphasized culturally in Japan, like in terms of the way they deal with people. There is an emphasis on that. Um, so it's, it all adds up to a ball player who, right, maybe he's going to need somebody else to stick up for him a little bit, you know? Um, and I don't know if it's like, if there's anything with the language barrier or if he just, like I said, he wants to be respectful for many, for myriad of reasons, but this is where, you know, David Ross needs to, to step in, um, and either, you know, he did get ejected tonight, but it had nothing to do with Seiya Suzuki. Maybe the Seiya anger had just boiled over, and that's the real reason David Ross got ejected tonight. Uh, but I don't know. This seems like if, if they are lamenting it, Pat and Ron, the way they did, in their really pointed, perfect way, if it's being lamented by two professional broadcasters who have seen it all, seen it all, Pat and Ron have, then 
seems like I'm 100% sure that they're right, you know, that, that there is something to what they are saying, that, yes, that a tornado has been spotted. The warning is over. So, oh, by the way, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. I don't want you to turn on the radio and think there's a tornado. Um, that is that is certainly not the case right now. Um, so, yeah, I, I just that that is an interesting little piece from the Cubs game tonight. But the Cubs end up losing their game to the Reds 4-3, the final. The White Sox beat the Red Sox 3-1, the final score in that game. Lucas Giolito, six innings, allowed one run on five hits, struck out seven, walked four, 101 pitches. Um, he did retire his last seven batters. Did look like he was laboring a lot and kind of admitted that, that his fastball command was off and he was rushing his delivery or something in that in that mold that he just didn't feel quite right tonight ever. And I know with so many pitchers, they I know it's almost like so cliche sounding, the fastball command, but think about it. If you can't command the fastest pitch that you're throwing, like that, that, that everybody has to be able to on some level always have a fastball in their repertoire if you can't command that if you can't get it to go the direction you want on a consistent basis that is death that is death to a pitcher like if your fastball command just completely goes out of whack then you're screwed so you know sometimes you got to listen when play when pitchers do say that their fastball command was off and you know it was still very good and he still has an era of of 263 and jake friggin Berger with just a monster three-run homer off of rich hill as part of the the white Sox win over the red Sox. all right i want to hear we're going to get more into the bears in a bit but for the big picture view through a chicago lens and through a national overview mike florio frequent guest on all of our shows here on the score and Florio just happened to be on the Dan Bernstein show yesterday. And since it was Wednesday, Layla Rahimi on Layla Wednesday joined him. So those two questioners talking to Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk yesterday. Take a listen. Time to talk football with Mike Florio, who's on Twitter at Pro Football Talk, the creator of Pro Football Talk and of NBC Sports, joins us on the Score Hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. So, Mike Florio, as the league turns, we are in OTAs. The We noticed with the Bears something interesting happened, and I know there's a long history of this, but these are supposed to be voluntary workouts, and there have been other voluntary workouts. And then when Bears cornerback Jalen Johnson maybe wasn't at some of these supposedly voluntary workouts, he shows up and finds himself with the second team. I know this is a common thing, but uh, I just it's considered okay for coaches to be like, oh, yeah, well, I don't know. We're just having you run with the twos a little bit because I haven't seen you yet. I remember when Thomas Jones stayed away from OTAs years ago and he showed up and he was third string from starter to third string because he didn't volunteer to show up for the voluntary workouts. Look, the spirit of these things isn't voluntary, and I've said – for years, if the NFL wants to make these mandatory, sit down at the bargaining table with the union, give the players something, and get them to agree to make them mandatory, because as a practical matter, they are. Now, most of the players who stay away have a business reason for doing so, and they do have the right to do so, but the reality is important work gets done at these practices. Every day, you'll see roster churn based upon what else? 
how a guy is performing in these T-shirts and shorts practices, guys getting cut, guys getting signed. What are you basing your decision to cut the guy on? Well, there's nothing else happening other than whatever he did or didn't do at this voluntary practice. So it is an important part of getting yourself ready and getting your team ready. It is technically voluntary, and teams can't say anything or do anything technically to suggest that they aren't voluntary, but these things happen all the time, whether it's a stray comment made from a coach or a guy showing up after he stays away from voluntary workouts and finding that he's got to work his way back up the depth chart. It does seem like there is a message that is being sent there to someone who I think really actually earned his keep, given the expectations that we saw out of him last season in Johnson. And I am trying to figure out how he fits in, knowing that this is a secondary Mike that could have two draft picks from this draft be playing on Sunday to begin week one. Well, and well, there's going to be a lot of guys playing on Sunday to begin week one. I, there was something over the weekend how uh, rookie receiver Velas Jones has been thrown into the fire. Well, they got no choice. Right. When you tear it down, you got to build it up with something. And as we get closer and closer to the season, this experiment is going to come into focus, and we're going to see whether or not it works. It's going to work or it doesn't like, for, like it does for every other team in the NFL. But it's just there, – there's, there's just reason for concern that, you know, where are the star players? Where's the nucleus? Where, where are the great plays going to come from? Who are the contributors going to be? What is going to allow this team to be competitive with the other teams it's going to face week in and week out throughout the season? It's, 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 it's going to be a challenge. And uh, everybody wants to have a low bar because it's easier to exceed it. I'd say the, the Bears' bar is going to be as low as it's been in a while. How closely should we be watching the media and sort of proxy battle in the Deshaun Watson situation at the moment? Because we do have accusers who are telling their stories, and we have dueling statements from powerful attorneys and Tony Busby and Rusty Harden, and then still the NFL saying we're getting close to wrapping something up. And I, we're, we're on tenterhooks here, and I'm, as I'm sure the, the Browns are right now, and, and everybody is involved. I don't know if, if anyone's really trying to do right by the accusers or even, even listening to the stories right now if they've already heard what they've needed to hear for their own investigation. Well, there are two important things to remember. Number one, the timeline for the NFL based upon the 2020 collective bargaining agreement. It does require some opportunity for things to unfold. The NFL proposes a punishment. A disciplinary officer, Judge Sue L. Robinson, will take it from there and ultimately issue a decision. The commissioner takes it from there with exclusive jurisdiction over any appeal unless Judge Robinson concludes there should be no discipline whatsoever. And I think it's hard to come to the conclusion there should be no discipline because and this is the other important thing to remember. It's not just whether or not he engaged in some type of sexual misconduct with one or more of the 22 women who have sued him. It's about whether he has violated the personal conduct policy. And there is language in the personal conduct policy that sweeps far more broadly than just the question of whether or not he engaged in some sort of sexual misconduct. There are two catch-all provisions at the bottom of the personal conduct policy that become very important. Number one, Players are prohibited from engaging in conduct that poses a genuine danger to the safety and well-being of another person. And number two, and more importantly, conduct that undermines or puts at risk the integrity of the NFL, NFL clubs, or NFL personnel. So even if he, quote-unquote, didn't do it, 
What's coming into focus here, and his lawyers have enhanced this by admitting that consensual sex occurred with three of the 22 women who have sued him, the idea that this is a guy who was lining up massages on social media, showing up with the hope slash expectation slash aspiration that it becomes something more than a massage. If this is his pattern, if this is his lifestyle, that's something that requires intervention by the league. And for the same reason that Ben Roethlisberger was suspended six games, reduced to four, based upon two allegations that never resulted in an arrest, never resulted in a jury verdict. Um, if, if that reasoning still applies 12 years later, when you've got 22 individuals who claim that, that this is what Deshaun Watson was doing, even if he wins each of the 22 cases, how do you not look at the broader catch-all provisions of the personal conduct policy and impose a significant punishment on him. I think that's getting lost in the he said, she said, and the question of whether or not he's going to be exonerated in court. It's a very different standard that's going to apply in the court of Roger Goodell. Don't you also think that because there are so many, we're forgetting the each individual impact of the act. When you say three of the 22 were consensual, the number on its face is, is crazy to think of in a mass concept. Well, it's 22, and I keep coming back to that. You know, If you there's could one, have, we're talking about it. Yeah, I, and, and, and it, it, the, the number is so big that it, it becomes difficult to say they're all wrong. They're all lying. They're all conspiring. They asked last night on... Real Sports with Brian Gumbel, Soledad O'Brien, who did a great job with the feature, asked one of Deshaun Watson's lawyers, why do we believe him over 22 people? And Leah Graham is the name of the lawyer. She said it's not about the 22 women, it's about the one lawyer. And basically, he's engineering all of this. He's the ringleader for all of this, so he can, number one, improve his social media following, and number two, get on TV shows like this. That, that's a hell of a check to write, that, that Tony Busby somehow is holding together a 22-person group of people who have claims that don't have any merit whatsoever. He's engineering all of it. He's making all of it happen in order to improve his, his uh, Instagram followers and, and get on HBO. It's, I, I don't know. That, that, that's, just a, that, that's a tough one to swallow. One or two people, okay, maybe, maybe there is some improper motive at play here. When you get to 22 – and each of the 22 have a story to tell. And those cases are still pending. They haven't been thrown out of court. If they had some fatal flaw, they'd be attacked and they'd be gone by now. These cases are going to go to trial unless they're settled. 22 different juries are going to hear these cases. I, I just think that the, the idea that, that they're all motivated by something other than vindicating their rights and bringing to light something bad that happened to them, the idea that all 22 are doing that, it's just, it's just hard to fathom, and it's very difficult to accept. So are we done with the Pro Bowl as we know it? Is it going to be pickleball? Is it going to be beer pong? Is it going to be cards against humanity, something fun? Well, it's going to be something. And I think the league's gotten to the point where they, they realize that even though whatever they put on TV with guys in pads and helmets and it looks like football except when they snap the ball and start to play and then it becomes glorified two-hand touch – Whatever money they make from that is not worth the ridicule. It's not worth the stress. It's not worth the fact that it's not real football. And they're looking into something they could replace it with. And the question becomes, whatever you replace it with, are people still going to watch that? And I, I, I don't know. 
They started the skills competition a few years ago. I watched it the first year, and I got nothing out of it. I don't need to, to watch grown men play dodgeball just because they're football players. I, it's, I want to watch them play football, or I'm otherwise not interested. And uh, I'm definitely not interested in the Pro Bowl, but enough people are interested in the watered-down version of it to keep it going. But I think they're finally having that moment of self-awareness where they recognize this just is not – a smart thing for us to do, especially when, and you, you throw in the little twist from this year, you bring everybody to Las Vegas, Alvin Kamara gets arrested on some pretty strong charges, and they, they show up at the stadium to question and cuff him. So um, that, that's another reason. If this is going to be the, the platform for you know, bringing everybody together and, and, and going to a place like Las Vegas and having mayhem potentially happen, it's another reason to not even have the event. How would you feel about seven on seven? I I just I I'm not interested in anything other than than watching a football game. And I, I saw a suggestion last night that I that I kind of like the idea that Chad Johnson said on Twitter having past pro bowlers facing current pro bowlers in something like flag football. But but nobody nobody really cares about flag football. I know they're trying to make flag football a thing. Flag football is not a compelling sport to watch. The only compelling brand of football to watch is tackle football, actual tackle football, not, hey, let's all put on pads, but let's wink, nod, not actually hit each other. And, and, and so I just think that, that instead of trying to come up with some other thing to do, uh, I, I, you, know, you, you name your all-star teams and you, you tell them to have a great offseason. It's when I watch what seems to be unfolding with Dan Snyder and the commanders, I, it, it always seems, I don't mean to sound cynical here, but it always gets back to if the other owners think you may be messing with their money, it's different than how other owners feel when, I don't know, you're sexually abusing cheerleaders or creating a completely hostile work environment. When you start crossing over to the way you're doing business in this oligarchy, then they start vote counting behind the scenes. Well, absolutely. But here's the reality. Now, if they can prove that he engaged in some sort of picking of the pockets of his partners, then he's got a major problem. But whatever they do with Daniel Snyder, Unless they have some sort of a plan that entails him stepping down, giving the team to his wife with the understanding that his wife will then give the team to his kids. Because my understanding is his motivation through everything that's happened the past few years has been to make sure he can give the team to his kids. Unless you can negotiate something where he goes quietly, you're still going to have to deal with, number one, the fact that he is going to fight you in every possible forum, and in every possible fashion he can. You better be ready for bare-knuckles litigation with Daniel Snyder for as long as it takes for him to get what he wants. And number two, the other thing you got to worry about, and there are people who believe that Snyder is the one who is behind the leak of the John Gruden emails. Now, I don't know that to be a fact, but I know that there are people who believe it. There's a small universe of people who had those documents. Snyder clearly one of them because they were on his email servers. But the owners have to worry about, number one, what he knows, and number two, how determined and ruthless he would be to try to create havoc and chaos for the other owners by leaking stories and getting dirt out there. So if you take this guy on, number one, he's going to fight, and number two, he's possibly going to fight dirty. So you better be damn sure that this is the right thing to do before you step into that fray. And it's a shame that it's that way. You know, it's, it's, 
it, it, it's a chilling effect, I think, for the partners to go after him because they just don't want a mess. But, you know, somebody needs to set that aside and do the right thing if they decide that that's the right thing to do, to go after Dan Snyder and get a change in ownership. I'm reminded of what happened in Philadelphia, where it was other teams stepping in and saying, what's going on with the Sixers is causing us to lose money because when they play our teams, we have lower attendance. They had established that there were there were actions being done that ended up being an overall detriment to the league because of the extreme and how they ended up rebuilding. But the reason that that got put into play had had something to do with the owners actually saying something. And self-policing might be the only solution here. But I don't know why it would benefit Roger Goodell to confirm it. I think that he, he does that because he has to in this case. Well, and the danger is that they create a standard that potentially gets used as a weapon against other owners in the future. So back to July 1 of last year when they announced in very perfunctory fashion the findings of Beth Wilkinson's 10-month investigation but had absolutely no transparency attached to it, I am convinced that the reason they didn't give us any details is because it would have made it untenable for Daniel Snyder to continue as the owner, and other owners would have potentially been in a similar position where they had to worry about that standard applying to them. They were protecting themselves not Snyder. And that has been, I think, a concern that that applies generally to everything that happens with Snyder. Are we doing something that creates a precedent that we don't want applied to us? And Roger Goodell is the one who is tasked with balancing all of that. And yeah, he really didn't say anything yesterday because it's too early to say anything. They don't know what they're going to do until they find out two things. Number one, is there any validity of the claims that were made by Tiffany Johnston, who declined to be interviewed by Beth Wilkinson, but is cooperating with Mary Jo White, who was brought in to do further investigation? And number two, this financial irregularity allegation, whether it's fraud against consumers, fraud against the partners, is there anything to that? Until they know the answer to those two questions, there's really no reason for them to do anything. But I think behind the scenes, there, there is a level of fatigue just by virtue of the number of controversies. There's so much that's going on with Daniel Snyder at any given time by way of allegations made against him. You get to a point where you just want to be done with him because you're sick of constantly being dragged down by the questions about Daniel Snyder. Last question. If the Bears are set on trading Robert Quinn and reports are that Quinn is uh, all set to want out, do you take a little less than the maximum to do it before the trade deadline and maybe not get every last bit of value because a 32-year-old player, you incur an injury risk that you may get left with nothing. How does Ryan Poles handle this of saying, well, we're going to squeeze every last bit of value out of him and also say, well, if he gets a high ankle sprain, we're screwed? Yeah, that's the, that's the challenge. If he gets injured, there goes your trade value. So how long do you want to do the dance? How long do you want to play it out? And how much do you want? And And I think what Ryan Poles has to look at is, I can't just worry about this deal. I have to worry about future deals. And if I do a bad deal with Quinn, are other general managers going to try to take advantage of me in the future when we're in trade discussion? So I think it's important for a new GM to not get a reputation that, that you know, he can, he can get talked into doing a deal that maybe isn't as good as it needs to be. So a lot of different factors go into it. Not an easy decision to make. Timing is everything especially when you're talking about the ever-present risk that there's going to be an injury that makes everything moot. We've been living with this since 2017 in the NFL draft. 
There was a little trade up there that uh, let everybody know. Well, true. Ryan Pace's cards were. Wouldn't it be something, too, if he ends up being a starter in Pittsburgh and being really, really good? Wouldn't that just be the worst possible salt in the wound five years later? You know, I'm rooting for him. I, I've I've found him likable, and I found him in a difficult situation, and we all projected so many things on him. I don't think Mitchell Trubisky ever did anything other than than try to be a really good quarterback in all these circumstances. Well, and here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line, and this is what the Bears need to learn, and they're going to go through this with Justin Fields in a new regime. Anytime you start changing coaches when you have made a major investment in a young quarterback, you are potentially going to set the stage for that guy to fail. Because Matt Nagy, I don't think he ever wanted Mitchell Trubisky. And the jury's out on whether or not Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus want Justin Fields. That is the key. And the guy gets his career thrown sideways and derailed, and then he's got to go somewhere else and hope that he can turn it around. But, you know, they saw something to make him the second overall pick in the draft, and and, uh, maybe Pittsburgh's going to draw it out of him. Mike Florio, thank you. Look forward to talking next week. See you. Have a good week. Thanks, Mike. That's Mike Florio. Yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna see about that. A lot of interesting things coming up in that interview on the Dan Bernstein show featuring Layla Rahimi on a Layla Wednesday here on Chicago Sports Radio six seventy the score. So many things were like jumping through my brain, like every time I heard, Oh, we gotta talk about that. Oh, we gotta talk about that. But I guess towards the end there the question arose in my brain. As they're talking about, as Florio's kind of, you know, trying to to stick it to to Bernstein a little bit, just in a playful way, hey, wouldn't that be the worst possible nightmare? Trubisky is a star in five years um, or whatever it is. You know, how, how, how much worse would that make it for everybody in Chicago? And I look at it differently because I don't look at it as that necessarily being a possibility or the worst fear. What comes to my brain is a question. And the question is, do you think hmm, 15 years from now, Matt Nagy or Mitch Trubisky will be thought of more favorably around here? Which one? Matt Nagy or Mitch Trubisky, which one of those two guys will we hold in higher regard in 15, 20 years or so? And I think it's a pretty balanced question. If I had to answer it, I would say we will think of Matt Nagy in higher regard because you're not going to see Mitchell Trubisky be a starting quarterback in the NFL anymore. If he is, it's not going to go well. So I think that as time goes on, there will be some who who care to talk about the past and historians. We're all historians to a certain degree, right, sports fans? Like, if if you're going to go go back to that, you you definitely have to juggle between – the two of those guys because we know that if I am right and I think I'm right that Trubisky is not going to be a great quarterback in the NFL then yes of course as the years go on we're going to say okay nobody 
was able to make this guy into a good quarterback. Thus, it wasn't Matt Nagy's fault that he did not succeed in Chicago. And it, we could play that game on both sides. It would go back and forth. But the point is, I just thought that that is the more interesting question or one of the more interesting takeaways that went to my brain and wanting to know the answer to that question. And if you'd like to play, 312-644-6767 is the number. Who will be thought of more favorably 15 years from now? Matt Nagy, the former head coach of the Bears, or Mitchell Trubisky, the former quarterback with the Chicago Bears. So you can jump in on that. We are going to do some Bears talk. And I have to tell you about a great sports town in the Midwest that I was not aware of being such a great sports town. It's coming up next on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Let's get back to more Mark Crody on Score Overnights on Sports Radio 670, The Score. You know, just from riffing off of Mike Florio and his conversation on The Score yesterday, it has kind of um, stimulated that you guys listening right now on Score Overnight, and that's the question that I asked about who will be thought of more favorably in these parts Chicago and its suburbs and Northwest Indiana and wherever there are Bears fans who will be thought of more favorably in 15 years, Matt Nagy or Mitchell Trubisky. And it is an interesting question because there's so much to be continued with both of those men in terms of what we know their desires are. Like essentially these two guys are just starting out still really. Um, you know, I know Trubisky's a little bit farther along in terms of being a starting quarterback relative to Matt Nagy being a head coach, but it is it is definitely similar and it is interesting to think about. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. We get it started with Frank on I eighty. What's going on, Frank? Hey Mark. I think you're gonna be once a month mark pretty soon. You're gonna what? I think it's going to be what's a month, Mark. Oh. I don't even see ever on his man. I should have known you were coming at me, man. I should have known. Uh, bro, I feel that the Bears went way backwards with that Trubisky deal. That just, I, I don't think he's a good quarterback. Never did. And if, I don't know what Ryan Pace thinks. And I think Khalil Mack could be a Hall of Famer. I think he's going to be a pro bowler because he's going to be with a better team and he's going to be a lot happier there. What do you think? Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely that that sort of mindset could exist. He's got every single bit of motivation at this point. If he needs it from the Bears and having been traded from them, that's fine, but there's the thing about Khalil Mack that he is driven to be – he's one of those wants to be the best guys and wants to be thought of. That's the important part. Thought of as one of the greatest of all time when it's all said and done. So he's got a lot of life that he thinks he has left. So, so And sometimes that's half the battle. So I, I, I – yeah. And I think with Trubisky, I think Kenny Pick will be there the third, fourth week. Even if oh, yeah. it's a starting job, I think they're gonna, I think the Pittsburgh fans are going to be screaming because Mitch ain't a good quarterback. You know he's not. He should have went 
probably the fifth or sixth route. So, he, okay, he's Mark, not, you he's have not. a nice yep. night. All right, all right, Rich. Th- I mean, uh, thank you so much, Frank. Uh, here's the thing about Mitch Trubisky. It is true. We, we learned that he's not a good starting quarterback in the NFL. The The other part about this is <laughs> we don't even know if he's a good second-string quarterback yet about Trubisky. Think about that um, because that's sort of how he's been treated since leaving the Bears, as in not a lot of takers for prominent opportunities obviously was not going to get that in buffalo and now it's looking pretty obvious that he's not going to get that in pittsburgh with the franchise having drafted a rookie and a steelers organization which for the last decade and a half only knows one way to run an organization and that's through the quarterback that's what ben roethlisberger meant to that team like the quarterback position was stable for 15 years they want that flavor back pittsburgh does so oh yeah the rookie's going to get every single chance to bust through and start from day one because you know if you are that franchise that that's your way of life is quarterbacks and god bless you if it is then you can't not have that it's like what is going to happen to Green Bay when Aaron Rodgers does move on? Did they get lucky a third time? Because, man, that organization and its people know no other way in the last 25 years other than elite quarterbacking. And someday, if the Bears have their way, they will be lucky enough to not have to deal with that. 312-644-6767. Let's go to... Brian in Northwest Indiana. Hello, Brian. Hey, what's up? Hey, man. Hey, you know, I'll tell you, I've watched the Bears for 49 years. Man. Okay? Okay. And, you know, Mitch Trubisky, in his career, he completed 65% of his passes with a crap team. I mean, he had nothing around him, you know? I mean... Yeah, he won freaking games for the Bears, you know. I mean, and everybody, you know, guys like you say that everybody knows that he's a bad quarterback. I mean, you know, you got a bad quarterback now in in Justin Field, okay? Mitch Trubisky never ranked 28th in the freaking league as a quarterback. Even when he was a rookie, he was about 15th or 16th, you know. And so, you know, he's in Pittsburgh now, and, you know, you they draft Kenny Pickett or whatever his name is, and you know you don't know what you're getting as a rookie. Okay. Well, I, I think haven't you haven't we seen enough of the what Trubisky can and can't do? It no matter how he was treated with the Bears, and I don't think he was treated badly. That you've sort of seen the tale of what he is and the excuse. Like we've gone through every excuse. You know, we've gone through every possible reason why it wouldn't work out year to year to year to year but it keeps on you know 
he's not living up to the number two overall pick in the draft. That's for that's for damn sure, Brian. I mean, well, neither did Demarcus Russell. He was a number one pick in a draft. Well, right, you know, but, but we're not talking about you know, those guys. He was a massive bust. You're right, and we don't know what Justin Fields is, but we're talking about Trubisky, and unfortunately, he has far, far to go to live up to anywhere close to being the, as good as he was as far as his draft pick was. So that that when has he, to be closer. You can't even that can't even be debated. When he came out of North Carolina, okay, that yeah. year, he was the number one quarterback rated in that draft okay you know you had patrick mahomes and you had deshaun watson okay yeah. you had a lot of people guys, liked him a lot of people liked him i liked him he, like i said he was the number one rated quarterback in that draft so Absolutely. you can't blame you can't blame ryan pace for picking the picking somebody oh no, you know, no you, that's a completely different argument man that's a completely different argument of course you're right i mean i, I have made excuses for ryan pace in the past by saying that this is the same guy that everybody had eyes on. Um, that that has like you and I totally and completely agree on on that aspect of it. What we what we no, certainly what's that? I like the way I like the way Ryan Poles is going about it and building from the bottom up as opposed to going after a quarterback or whatever because that's what they're going to do next year. They're going to have. They're going to get rid of Robert Quinn at some point this year, you know. And you know they're giving they're giving Justin Fields a a avenue to fail because they're not getting him anything. Yeah. Well, we're gonna thank you very much for the call, Brian. I appreciate it. Um, even if we don't agree on everything, I don't really know what it means. Like the the deeper. I know that we're talking about the deeper meaning of the Bears not going out and getting anybody higher profile than Byron Pringle and Equinemius St. Brown to be your receivers. But I am not thinking that there's any sort of, like, premeditated send-a-message move to Justin Fields or that's the sign they don't like him. I think that's just the sign that they have been committed to tearing down right now. And that just means stripping everything everywhere and not really thinking yet about the the really, you know, dynamic players and the playmakers. Like, they're just not going there as of yet. They are continuing to to strip it down and... Then once they're sort of at the plane where they want to be them, they're like, okay, now we have to, yes, we cannot have Darnell Mooney and Byron Pringle being the guys that you are depending on week in and week out to do amazing things. Maybe Mooney, um, you know, that can't be. So eventually then you have to make your move to make everybody better. But in the meantime, I do believe that they are perhaps undecided on Justin Fields as the guy that's going to be leading this team three years from now. I don't know that they know that. And they have been steadfast in their wanting to look at Justin Fields, and they've never said anything disparaging about him, but they are that's one thing that they've done a, a pretty consistent job at, and that is telling us very little about what they really think 
about the players on this roster. Like we never really get actual answers as as to what's going on there. Let's go to our buddy Rich in Old Town. Rich, you're on the score. Hello, Rich. You there? Yeah, there we go, Rich. You're on the score, buddy. What's going on, man? Yeah, so you're back in the saddle. Welcome back. I'm back in the saddle, yes, sir. Yeah, I uh, I want to make a couple of comments because I, I completely agree with you. The last caller obviously never played football. Uh, and it's really simple. If you, if you really consider, I have, I'm from the school that you are what you have done. And when you take a look at the track record of quarterbacks, especially quarterbacks, that come from programs. I mean, I saw Fields at Georgia before he transferred to Ohio State, and he was an exceptional talent in college. And another example of in the wrong scheme at Georgia, who who, who basically ran the ball and didn't really develop an offense around the skill set of the quarterback. I think when you talk about Trubisky, he, he's a great example of never have done really much of anything. He started what nine or ten games, right? In North from, Carolina, yeah, as, yeah, not from the cradle of quarterbacks in North right. Carolina, right? Yeah, right. so I mean, if you can't start until you're a senior at North Carolina, you know, start scratching your head. You got to take a look at kids, and this really holds true for really every position, but importantly, the quarterback position, because you know what a lot of a lot of casual fans don't understand. Look at the quarterbacks. Stafford turned the Rams around, and they had tremendous talent before he got there. Uh, Green Bay, they say, oh, well, you know, Rodgers has got all these guys around him. Devontae Adams was a no-name. And if you're a, if you're a great quarterback, you can develop receivers. Tyreek Hill was, was a fifth-round draft pick out of West Georgia. Uh, yeah. the, kid from, the kid from the Rams played in Eastern Washington, who led the league two years in a row in receptions. That that uh, was a third round draft pick, right? So I think, I think, you're thinking maybe think Ryan fair, Poles thinks he knows what he's doing. I think he's going it like you said the right way. I think if you put an offense, and I think what you have to start with, and he's doing this uh, by 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 getting a new offensive coordinator. I think when you say, okay, look, here are the skill set of the talent that I have. Let's develop an offense around the weaponry and the things he's comfortable with doing, rolling out, uh, you know, run-pass option quarterback. He's not a traditional drop-back guy, never was in college. Right. But if you develop an offensive scheme around a guy like Justin Fields, comparing Justin Fields to Trubisky is like comparing a, a Volkswagen to a Cadillac. Well, yeah, I mean, I understand, though, the the early trajectory similar, as in, like, both guys came into kind of bad situations because John Fox was with Trubisky and Justin Fields was starting, but he's not starting, and they've got this other guy, Andy Dalton, who's got to start. So they both were sort of traumatized, in, you know, in yeah. a football sense in their first years with coaches that weren't there in the second year. So I actually look at them as similar, and Lord knows we had no idea what Mitch Trubisky 
was going to be just based on his the the smattering of games he had to play because Mike Glennon sucked and John Fox was the head coach. You know, then you got to look at it on the Justin Fields side of things. Like he got his bell rung nine times at Cleveland last year in a noon game on September 26th. Damn it! So like both of them come into brand new situations. And we know what happened to Trubisky. We don't know what's going to happen with Justin Fields. We just don't. But, but I think here's the difference. When they hired Nagy, he was supposed to be the offensive guru. And he was supposed to design an offense. And I actually looked this up. In his four years here, they had the worst point production aggregately over four years on points per game than any team in the NFL. So I'm really kind of hard pressed to say, okay, I, I think the blame though, and I mentioned this to Sean while I was waiting to get on, I think your question is a great one. But to me, the real question is who has destroyed the bears more? I would take Ryan, Ryan Pace has set this franchise back five years yeah. and, and, I mean, he has killed this place, and they they kind of give him a pass because he's not, he, you know, he was never available. He wasn't highly visible, and Nagy was kind of his lap dog, just making excuses for the cards that he was dealt. Yeah, I don't think Vince Lombardi could win with the talent that Pace drafted. Okay, hey Rich, I gotta I gotta let you go, my man. I appreciate the call, but I am. Uh... I am way late for a break, and I'm going to get everybody in trouble. So I'm going to take a break, and then I'm going to, going to, going to take more of your phone calls at 312-644-6767. I'm Mark Rohde. This is The Score. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.